The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Danny Cannell. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at youtube.com slash cover three. Thanks to all of you that are watching live as we break down our championship week locks. This is the final week of our regular competition because, you know, bowl season's crazy, psychology season through and through. Uh, this is the last chance uh, for uh, to see this is the last chance for anybody to see if you can make a run uh, at the champ, which currently remains Bud Elliott at 80 and 56 overall on the season. Um, we'll do uh, just real, real quick because we've got a lot to get to. But uh, Tom, you were five and five last week, uh, 71 and 55 for the season. Though, thoughts from last week as we move forward? Uh, I'm mad at Nebraska for blowing it late and blowing my under. I'm uh, not mad at Bedlam for going the way of Bedlam. That was just, that was entertaining. Uh, other than that, I mean, nothing really to take away there. Things just didn't go our way. Obviously, I was in the lock fight with Danny on the Ohio State-Michigan game, but I was entertained enough to not care that I got killed in that one. Uh, one in six week for Chip. It was <laughs> blood everywhere. Um, and it, it was just across the board. I mean, I, I it was a, a day where I don't know how many of our listeners or how many of our viewers also, you know, dabble in some some NFL picks and, and also sort of like spray the board. But like, I realized that when it came to my fortune and fate, the fact that I was successfully able to transport my family across three different counties in three different days, make it back here in time for two full work days on Friday and Saturday. That was my only win. I was two and 13 on the NFL side in a picks pool and I was one and six on the locks. Ooh. So it's just uh your boy just took it on the chin, but we are spraying the board because remember, I want to finish 500. Now, when you However, say you transported your family three counties in three days, do you mean like you were in like a Conestoga wagon, like in the Oregon Trail? Because here in Chicago, I could be in three counties in 20 minutes. It, it, the total distance, the longest distance is only about an hour and a half. I mean, okay. we're talking about like Wake, Chatham, Lee, Moore County. You know, you spend one night in Sanford, one night in Pinehurst, get back. So it, it was just more the unloading and loading, which probably did feel like a wagon in the Oregon <laughs> Trail uh, with every all the supplies that we had to unload. Uh, Danny, 
uh, non-disciplined Danny is, is, you know, getting you back uh, in a good spot. You know, you're climbing back into the the profit profitability seven and five uh, on the week. That brings you to 67 and 59 in, on the season. Uh, what did you think about your card last week, DK? I, too, am mad at Nebraska, not for the total, but for choking that game off. I thought they were going to actually come out with it. Um, shows the importance of getting a number. When I lose the Bedlam lock fight with Bud, he had Oklahoma four and a half. I had Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma State laying four. Um, I don't know. I feel better. feel good. Strongest week of the group. So I have that going for me. And I know I can't catch Bud, but I got Tom in my sights. Good luck. <laughs> I, I know that you uh i know y'all are not going to speak this language but tom it, it's like they're fighting for whether they're going to like champions league or Euro- europa league at this point right <laughs> ain't no fight i'm like nine units ahead of them okay okay we'll see we got a, got a lot of action here uh bud as we mentioned a five and four week for you uh, 80 and 56 on the season uh what'd you think about your week 13 card you know, I, I mostly avoided the bad luck on this show. I had some horrendous beats in my own personal account. Oh, my God. Uh, the only one I really would complain about here is Boston College plus five. They, they had the flu thing, and they just got absolutely wiped. Um, I'd like to see that game played at full strength because I, I don't think Wake Forest is 31 points better than Boston College is. Uh, but I was having a little PTSD, guys, uh, back, back back to last year when, when, when we, we would get good, reliable info on COVID. We'd bet it. The line would move a ton, and they'd be like, "Hey, here's your CLV. Can you pay your mortgage with some CLV? Because uh, it ain't cashing." Uh, overall, I I was skeptical on Michigan, and I was wrong about them. We went over this, I think, on the Monday show. Like they had played some teams that were a not very good, and b especially not very good when they played Michigan because they were missing a lot of key guys, and I, I didn't properly evaluate that, you know. Um, but Got home thanks to Tom's Illini. There we go. That was that was fun. Um, all right. Well, championship week on deck. Gentlemen, y'all ready to lock it up? Let's do it. We're picking locks. My blue plate special five-star locks are coming. Since 2005, when Service Academy's Come get these locks. Five-star master lock. Lock it up. The under is 33.91. We've gone over it a million times. You want these locks? I'm, I'm, I'm living and dying every, every point, every cover. Dinner slate, but we got to stick to our uh, our format and to what we do for the listeners, which means that the early birds get it first Friday. 7 p.m. on the Mothership CBS Sports Network from the Alamo Dome in San Antonio. It is the Conference USA Championship game. Western Kentucky favored by three against UTSA. The over-under of 72 and a half. Uh, Does anybody have a lock on Cayusa? I do. All right. Let's hear it. Give me Western Kentucky minus two and a half. It's moved. It was at one. I think it's early as yesterday. Now it's up to two and a half. It's at three some places, and I think it's moving for a reason. Uh, if you look at UTSA on the season, they're 11 and one. They've been fantastic. Been rooting for them the whole time. Wasn't rooting for them when they beat Illinois. But other than that game, I was rooting for them. But the last month of the season, their defense has kind of fallen off a cliff. Like the, the defense wasn't elite to begin the year, but it was re- it was good, and it was paired with a really explosive and good offense. So they were winning a lot of games the last month or so not nearly as well i don't know it's injuries whatever's going on they've been giving up points really quickly and this is a western kentucky team that started off the season one and four but its last loss was 
to this UTSA team, and it's been seven wins since. And if you go back and look at that 52-46 to 46 UTSA win, I remember I was on UTSA minus three or three and a half in that game. Western Kentucky should have won that game. I should not have won that bet. The Hilltoppers had the ball in the red zone in the final seconds with a chance to tie the game and then win it with an extra point. Bailey Zappi threw an interception. Fine, but they still had over 100 yards more in the game than UTSA. They just, you know, had some bad breaks with the turnovers and stuff. And it was more they ran out of time more than they lost the game. And I feel like this one, the way Western Kentucky's been playing compared to the way UTSA's defense has been playing as of late, and also offensively, since McCormick was putting up 100-yard game after 100-yard game after 100-yard game, I think it's three straight games he's finished below 100, so I don't know if he's at 100%. I just feel like right now all the momentum is with Western Kentucky, and I think that they're going to win. And it sucks because before the season started, I took out a UTSA to win Conference USA plus 425 future. So I'm kind of costing myself here, but I don't think I'm going to win that bet because I think Western Kentucky is going to win this game. The preseason future hedge on the locks pod um, unveiled right there for for Tom Fernelli. I I tend to uh, I lean your way. I think Western Kentucky is hotter right now. I mean that's you know UTSA probably peaked around game eight, right? Game eight, mm-hmm. game nine, and it's been a little bit more sluggish in terms of his percentage performance uh, since then. Uh, Western Kentucky shocker when you bring in a whole new offense and a whole new quarterback and a whole new everything. Once they get more playing experience together, they're going to be better, better at the end of the season than they were at the beginning of the season. Um, I, what the heck? I just spent all that time talking. Yeah. If I'm, if I'm going to sit here uh, down all of these picks and, <laughs> and explain why I like it, let's go. Let the children sing. I'll, uh, I'm going to go meep, meep. Come on. Oh, yeah. Fight. 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 So I told you guys, I actually, I've talked to both these coaches uh, in the past few weeks. Both impressive. Both have done fantastic jobs. I do, And there's zero question that UTSA has come limping into this game where they almost lost the week before they got blown out this past week against North Texas. But I think that was almost like one of these build-up moments of there was like they were this undefeated team. The under, they're playing a little bit tight. I'm gonna go with the team that won already in the regular season. Bailey Zappi. I I I want to go. Let's make why not? Let's make it a two for one special. Let's under under because I do think you're gonna see a, a concerted effort to get sincere McCormick, who's still. I think he's top 10 in the country in rushing yards per game. He's still one of the better backs in the country. And with Frank Harris getting dinged up a little bit, came out of that game, did not go back in the game uh, towards the end. I think there's going to be even more concerted effort for them to run the football. Western Kentucky does not care about running the football at all. They'll be throwing the ball, but I still think it'll slow it down enough to go under. I do think overall trend this entire weekend, like I'm leaning almost all unders. I want to be careful I don't take all of them. Um, but I'm going to take the under in this one. So give me the road runners and the under. If uh, if these numbers had been this when the game came out, I would be on UTSA and under. Um, but I think I'm wrong on this, and I'm I'm going to go ahead and pass on both the shot, both the uh, the sides. I I made an adjustment to Western uh, down a little bit after the Marshall game because Marshall's quarterback got hurt in like the 11th minute of the ball game. And two of Western scores were kind of like late nonsense. They returned an onside kick for a touchdown, and then they they uh, after that, then they returned the next drive for a pick six. But man, 
UTSA has looked like total crap for two weeks in a row. They they should not have beaten UAB, and I'm, I'm going to go ahead and pass. <clears throat> However, to Danny's point, if this does hit 38.5 somewhere for the team total, I think that's the play I will hit, Western under 38.5. Like that from uh, – It's not from, out there right now. Like that from Bud Elliott. All right, on Friday night – it is number 10, Oregon, number 17, Utah, playing in Las Vegas. The Utes are two-and-a-half-point favorites, over-under of 58. Does anybody have a lock for the Pac-12 title game? Give me the first half under. It has been – Bud opened my eyes to this position, and the thing that I like about it the most is that it keeps me sweat-free – when the game is really tight late and some of these coaches that might be more conservative by nature are forced out of their comfort zone and really start to throw some haymakers. Mario Cristobal, Kyle Whittingham, both want to win the same way. They want to control the line of scrimmage. They want to avoid mistakes by each of these quarterbacks. Cam Rising's been you know, very good, but he's still not a quarterback that I think um, you're just going to let him go out there and decide the game for you, especially when you're so good at so many other places on the field. Same thing can be said for Anthony Brown. So I think that um, especially early on in the first stages of this neutral field, I mean, Danny, championship game unders, neutral field unders, like all those things are a great place where I'm, I'm going to start looking in and researching. And so with the nature of these two coaches and these two teams, a full game under, I wouldn't hate to, but first half under keeps me sweat free in case this thing goes to overtime or in case uh, this thing ends up having a couple haymakers late. So uh, I'll take that first half under. Chip, may we? Oh, lock agreement. Nice. For, for, for the exact same reasons. I, I don't think this will snowball uh, on quite like the last game did. Yeah, I, I'm I'm on the first half under here. Is that the first first half under lock agreement in podcast <laughs> history? history? It, it shouldn't have been. Week one, you guys should have joined me on, on my first quarter, first half. You know, li- literally everything. Northwestern is, is hot garbage, uh, <laughs> you know, multi-way. I am now going back through the history to find out. Nope, it is not. It is not. Does anybody want to guess what it was? You never will. So it. Oh. <laughs> whoops um michigan penn state first half under 24 was bud and not chip and not me but bud and danny i mean related news to what tom just said uh, cbs is switching from defined vacation time to unlimited vacation time (laughs) (laughs) and we will now be on seven second delay on live youtube (laughs) my bad i hope your virgin ears didn't blow up um okay so any any other plays here on uh on oregon utah Time no, I, full game. I'm not locking it up. We picked it on the yeah. early edge yesterday. Right. I do think the under is the smarter play of these two because I think that when you look at who they are and who they define themselves as, it's tough, physical, defensive football team. So I think that's the way the game's probably going to be looked to play it out. But I don't like the number enough to lock it up. We move to Saturday. The noon kick is Baylor and Oklahoma State. This game being played, AT&T Stadium in Arlington. Oklahoma State, a five-and-a-half-point favorite, over-under of 46-and-a-half. Oklahoma State won this first game 24-14. to 14, Yeah, 24-14. to 14. Uh, The Bears, of course, being able to get into this game thanks to Oklahoma State's victory over Oklahoma while Baylor took care of business as well. A uh, lot of college football stakes, especially for the Cowboys right here. So, 
Does anybody have a lock for the Big 12 championship game? Is yeah, everybody can I shout in? it out before uh, before it moves again? <laughs> Go ahead. Give me that last under 47 on the board. All right. Lock it up. You too? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, analysis. Spencer Sanders is not good. Uh, <laughs> Gary Bohannon, who knows how his health is. Like, there's... Yeah, uh, poor quarterback play. Of course, with a total this low, poor quarterback play can lead to pick sixes and craziness. As we saw, you know, Spencer throw a pretty bad ball uh, last week that got Oklahoma back in the game. Also related, Oklahoma State scored on two, uh, either no field being a kickoff return or a short field, the fumbled punt uh, possessions, and really didn't look that good, in my opinion, against Oklahoma's defense. I think the total's too low. I'm not locking anything up, but I, I I think it's smart to get it now because I do think it'll probably get lower before game time. I think I'm I'm gonna wait till this one's going. I'm gonna bet this live. There's really nothing I like a lot here before kickoff. I lean towards Baylor on the spread and I lean towards the under, but if this thing gets low enough, I'll probably be pumping the over by the time kick starts. I could see myself firing some live unders if we have any kind of defensive scores. In this one, especially if somebody gets up big, I mean, get, given how conservative these guys have been this year, this opened 49 and a half. Mm-hmm. I lean Baylor. I think, and what, what do y'all think about? I mean, that's, we, we don't have a ton of games here, and this is the Big 12 championship game. It has massive implications, but ignoring the implications for now, unless it's part of your pick in it, but like, who do you think ends up winning? Like, what you obviously you are predict, predicting a low scoring game, but. Now, what where are the advantages or disadvantages? What's changed since that 24 to 14 result earlier this season? I think this is the game with the biggest upset potential. Like I think we're gonna see a lot of chalk. That's what we've seen traditionally and the the games that matter as far as playoff implications. This one I probably put the biggest chance of an upset. But like the similarities between Oklahoma State and Michigan are pretty glaring. Like when you preview this game, like hangover effect check, like you have this in this rival that you haven't been able to get past. And I know Oklahoma State's beat Oklahoma, but they haven't been able to have this chance. What was it, Oklahoma seven straight Big 12 championships? Like, you haven't mm-hmm. had this opportunity where you didn't have to beat them again, and now you're there. So there's this celebration. They get past Bedlam. They come in here. They play an opponent that nobody thought you were going to play. Like, Iowa, no one thought they were going to play. Baylor's kind of a surprising, you know, opponent that's there. Again, similarities in the defensive mindsets of both the Big 10 championship game, this Big 12 championship. But I do like the reason I do think that this team feels like there's an opportunity. Like they see that there's a, a playoff, you know, spot at stake, which I was the one thing that worries me a little bit about like style points. Do they need them? Does it matter? Because most of these you don't need style points at this point. Like I don't I don't think it matters for Oklahoma State either. That's why I'm not worried about a late touchdown. I think this is the type of game where you get a lead, you don't expose your quarterback. To a, you know, you don't want to take shots down the field to get that extra touchdown. You're going to lean on your defense and run game throughout. I, I mean, they they had a late touchdown against Baylor in, or against Baylor in the first game. Yeah. Remember, they, they scored with what like a minute fifty five, two hundred five, something like that left. I remember thinking, ah, because I, I had Baylor in four to ice um, it. Yeah, exactly. Can they get style points? Can, yeah. like, it's nice to talk about State, style points, but like, yeah. can Oklahoma State go get style points? Yeah, because. Only, the, the one thing you got to remember that first game, Oklahoma State won 24 to 10, held Baylor 280 yards, but Oklahoma State also turned the ball over three times in that game. 
So their their style points are holding them. Their style points are holding Baylor to single digits, like a Mm -hmm. touchdown or you know, some touchdown or less. Yeah, I I do think though, if you're outside the top four right now, I don't think you rest your QB. I think you try if you've got a chance to run it up and you're outside the top four. I think you take every chance you can to run it up. Oh, I don't think they. I don't think they rest Spencer Sanders. I don't think they're. I think they're trying to cram it down your throat. I don't think they're Mm. taking shots down the field. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that if you think it's going to be low scoring and the defenses are going to dominate and you don't see. Thomas said it before, like Baylor's just a really good football team. They're not wildly impressive with height, weight, speed, prospect rankings, but they seem to be in the right places. They seem to have, you know, great execution out there. I really like the Smith Ebner combo running the football. I I would guess that Baylor might have more explosive offense than Oklahoma State. Does that check out mm-hmm. slightly? Not that it's Baylor has not, a, like very explosive offense, but if we're only head, yeah. If we're looking in a vacuum between Baylor and Oklahoma State and you need a, a home run or one home run's going to end up swinging this game, I think I trust Baylor more to get that. And another thing that I think is worth considering for this game is, is Dave Aranda one of those coaches you don't want to give two shots at you? Like, he's they played Oklahoma State earlier in the season. He knows what they want to do. He knows what they're going to try to do in the rematch because he's a very good defensive coordinator and he's an excellent play caller on the defensive side of the ball. Giving him another chance at you to when he already knows what you're trying to do, I wonder if we'll see any kind of impact there. Chip, to your point, uh, Oklahoma State, I have him 104th in explosive offense. So, and Baylor 30th. Okay. Yeah, so nice. Thank you, bud. That's a pretty. That's a pretty uh, like really really good good number. I ditched the spreadsheets after week nine and just decided to trust my eyes and my heart. And so it's really good to know that these eyes, as as tired as they are from twenty nine podcasts in thirty one days, that um you know we do we do still have a, a little bit connecting here uh, in the old noggin. Uh, all right, let's take it from the the noon. We've got uh, other conference championship games that, of course, there's the potential that we have locks for, but. The sticking with our theme and our, our normal format, we're going to keep it going with the headliners, which takes us to the big body bins. Mercedes-Benz Stadium, Atlanta, Georgia. It is the top-ranked Bulldogs against Alabama. Georgia is a six-and-a-half-point favorite over under around 49-and-a-half. The SEC championship game, how many locks do we have? I have a lock. I've got one lock. Is your lock the same as mine? Because mine think so. is Georgia minus six and a half. In fact, while I'm locking it up here on for the pod for pod purposes, I suggest finding an alternate line of Georgia minus nine and a half and going with that instead, because I think you're going to get much better value. But I just, we, we I talked about this yesterday too, Chip, when we were on the early edge. Like teams tell you who they are if you just listen to them and pay attention to them. And I think Alabama has been trying to tell us what it is all season long, but nobody wants to listen to it. They keep putting it at number two. They keep putting it at number three. They think that it's still an elite team and Alabama, what it is, it's a very good football team. And it might be one of the four best teams in the country, 
But it's not Alabama, or at least it's not the Alabama that we've seen in recent years. In the trenches particularly, I don't think it's as good of an Alabama team as we're used to seeing. I think they get outmanned and outphysicaled by a lot of teams. We've seen it. We saw it against Texas A&M, which was the best defensive front that Alabama has faced this season before Saturday. And we saw what happened in that game. We saw what happened against Florida. We saw what happened against an LSU team with an interim coach with guys who were kind of checked out in the season. They were able to out-physical Alabama for a lot of that game. Auburn was able to do it last week to force them to take it to overtime. Even Arkansas, at times, was doing it a few weeks ago. Now you're going up against Georgia. Why am I supposed to believe that Alabama's like been sandbagging it all season long just to surprise Georgia in the SEC championship game? No. Georgia's got better players in the trenches. That's where Georgia's going to win this game. They're not going to put up 40 points on Alabama, but they're going to hold them to it. Nope. Alabama might score the most points on Georgia this year. It might get 17, but Georgia's going to get closer to 30. So give me the Bulldogs. I know you're not a huge team totals guy, but if you find a 24, you got to fire that, right? Yeah. There's 23s and a half out there. I'll or probably be on that too, yeah. Like an yeah. Alabama team total under 24? In fact, I mean, you, know you find that like there's there's uh, there's a 23 and a half. I see a 21 and a half. 23 and a half is a little juiced. Oh, is it uh, 21? And I'll lock that up. Alabama team total under 21 and a half. That's put on my card now, too. Should I double fight this? No, let's just single fight it. I'm, I'm locked. Fight, 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 fight. College football reasons. I just like I, I think that we are at a fascinating uh, point in the SEC, Nick Saban, Alabama era, because, and, and no, I'm not going to do that thing where you try to write the dynasty is over column, okay? okay I don't do that. But what I can't acknowledge is mystique, because mystique is intangible. Mystique is that stuff that kind of like creeps in your head and really more fans than players. It doesn't actually have that much of an impact on the games on the field, but this is a sport that we talk about 12 months a year when there's only 12 games in a season. And for the first time this season, Nick Saban lost to a former assistant. If it happens twice in the same season, and if it happens to a Georgia team that has continually bumped its head against the ceiling that is the Crimson Tide, then this is it. The mystique's gone. The mystique, the Alabama machine will still recruit at a high level. They'll still win a bunch of games and compete for national championships. But the mystique that you can't beat them, the blood will be on the floor because it's not going to be the fluky Ole Miss, uh, not fluky, but because Ole Miss was in the mix for the SEC West, but it feels fluky looking back on it, especially how other SEC teams have played against Alabama. Uh, Auburn, because it's the Iron Bowl, always has that own space, but Texas A&M and Georgia are Alabama's top two competitors in the SEC on the recruiting trail. They're some of the top two competitors on the field, and if Alabama loses both of those games to Nick Saban, former assistants, the mystique's gone. It's a new era in the SEC, one that is a little bit less of Alabama and everyone else and a, not wide open and not parody, but at least you have to seriously entertain other um, other angles here, other decisions on who's going to win. But when it was 13 nothing, right? Wasn't it 13 nothing at halftime of the championship game? And I'm like, yeah. yeah, I'm walking around the concourse of this stadium and the Georgia bros are crying and hugging with tears in their eyes. It's finally happening all of my entire life. This is all we've wanted. This is it. We're going to do it in Atlanta. We're going to do it against Alabama. And then took it out from them. Then in the SEC championship game, you hold that lead in the third quarter. And then what are you doing, Kirby? Then Alabama just takes it out from them. And the best quarterback on the field plays for Alabama. And when Bryce Young led a 97-yard touchdown drive to send that game to overtime for the first time in Iron Bowl history, I said, 
on that Saturday, as I was getting ready for, uh, for I, guess, I think, SEC postgame, maybe, I was like, all right, well, that's it. I'm picking Alabama next week. And I picked Georgia to beat Alabama in the SEC championship game in May. I picked Georgia to beat Alabama in the SEC championship game in July. So I'm not going to be surprised, but there's just way too many people who believe that uh, Georgia is going to be able to get through this. And I think Alabama, with Bryce Young, has a chance to bring back that that scary mystique intangible and uh, and at least keep this thing close. Six and a half points. Let's go. Listen, I know Bud's about to drop some intelligence and sense onto the show, but Chip, I just want to remind the listeners that in lock fights this year between you and me, I am three and one, and also you are negative 13 units on the season. Small so. sample size theater. <laughs> I mean, this feels like Chip should just play this on the money line. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> okay, got it. <laughs> I think there's a segment in this show. <laughs> I don't think Georgia's secondary is very tested. It doesn't mean it's bad, right? Like Georgia doesn't recruit scrubs there. Kirby Smart generally has pretty good secondaries. They really have not played a whole lot of good passing offenses, and they haven't played a lot of you know great defenses. I expect Florida to copy, or excuse me, Alabama to copy some of the game plan Florida used against them, you know, through the first twenty or so minutes, which was kind of effective. Not really like you didn't think Florida was going to win, but like okay, they're giving Georgia a little bit of problems here. However, I like the fact that Georgia's defense can throw two pitches here. On the one hand, the last couple teams to play Alabama uh, and to shut this offense down have blitzed like crazy. LSU came out. They played a lot of zero stuff. Mm -hmm. Auburn sent guys from everywhere. A&M also messed up their, their protections quite a bit. Alabama, in the second half of the year, has not done a very good job with some of their blitz protections. So if you look at the game that that – going back to week one, that Georgia played against Clemson. I think they were kind of scared of Clemson's receivers, which ultimately turned out to be a, a faulty assumption on their part, but we didn't know that in week one. And they sent, they sent a lot of blitzes. They, they, they really did, and that gave Clemson some problems. Over the course of the year, Georgia has not had to blitz all that much, but they certainly can blitz a lot. And you know, more Bama running backs are banged up. That's going to mess with some protections. I continue to not like Damian George at right tackle. I just don't think that's a Bama quality player right now. And that's been a problem in the last couple of weeks, but now it might be like a real problem. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, okay, that thing's in my house. I've been in the fix for a while. Danny, you know this living down here. It's like, oh, shoot, a hurricane's coming. I really need to get this fixed like now, right? The hurricane is Georgia. I need Georgia's offense not to screw this up for me. Like it, is, it has let me down in so many games over the years. I've got a 10-to-1 ticket on these guys. I want to go back out to the MGM and have an excuse to go out to Vegas to cash that thing. I think The one thing I really believe in is that I don't think Bama can block Georgia. And if they can, I'll lose because Bama's receivers are good enough, I think, to expose Georgia. But I don't know that, that Bama can block Georgia consistently. And if they have to, light them up, blitz their ass. So wait, are you locking it up? You just offer? Yeah, six and a half. All right. So that's a <laughs> agreement with Tom, a fight with Chip. Good old have I done well this year? I don't know. I, I feel like I always lose them. Danny, Chip, in? Chip, let's yeah. lock arms. Brothers in arms. Oh, <laughs> we've got a lock war. Yeah. <gasps> oh, right. one more thing. Shout out to Jermaine Johnson for winning the ACC Defensive Player of the Year, not only in the coaches vote, but also in the uh, Pro Football Focus vote. Jermaine Johnson, who was 
a backup on the Georgia defensive line last year and transferred because to, to, he couldn't get on the field. Okay. Who's the best defensive player in this game? Will Anderson. Correct. Who's, Who's the, the second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth? <laughs> All right. Who's the better quarterback in this game? It's Bryce Young. Correct. So it's too many daggum points in this rivalry. Like, it's just, and I know it's only six and a half, but it's too many daggum points for a Bama team that this has been the now thing makes me nervous. We saw Michigan get over their hurdle. We saw Oklahoma State get over their right, hurdle. Right, 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 Maybe right. this is the one where Georgia gets over their hurdle and they finally get there. That is why I'm also on the first half under in this game. So I'll tell you why I kind of like uh, Bama here. I don't love it. I just want to have. I want to have a lock fight. I want to have a lock war. I want to. Yeah, get no, it do you want to, can we play it? I don't think we. Yeah, played yeah, it. play. Oh, no, we haven't played it all year. One, two, three, four. I, I declare, declare lock, lock war. war. So the teams that have had – and the first half under, by the way, I think is 25 and a half. Is that the best number I can get? Yeah, 24 and a half I can get you. Because I think this game is going to be 6-3, 10-3 at halftime. Like, I think it's going to be one of those feel-out type of games. So the teams that have played Georgia the toughest, and it's only been for a half, I know, Clemson, Florida, and Auburn, where they were competitive in the first half. Those three games, the quarterbacks – really like lost their patience, made big mistakes, whether it was DJ Ungale, you know, tried to squeeze a slant in there, pick six the other way. Bo Nix does Bo Nix things, and Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson aren't very good quarterbacks. One thing I've really been impressed with Bryce Young, and I noticed this during the Iron Bowl, noticed it during LSU, he knows his offensive line isn't very good, but man, does he believe in himself and his teammates. And he's like, I'm not going to cost my team a game. I'm not going to go out there and try to do too much. I'm not going to throw a pick six. I'm not going to just – I'll take – sack me. He might get sacked 10 times in this game, but I feel pretty confident that he's not going to just put his defense in a bad spot, that he'll throw it away, he'll get to the line of scramble, he'll do whatever it takes. And I think this game could be, in the second half, the first time all year since that Clemson game that Georgia's had to sweat a little bit. And guess what? This team, and Chip laid it out, has been in position – to knock out Bama several times. There is very much a mental aspect to this where no matter what the score is, whether they're up 14, whether they're up 10, they're not going to be comfortable. And Bama has been comfortable this season. They've been in a plenty of fights. Now, that to, to uh, Tom's point, like that is something that's concerning, but I'm still very curious to see how Georgia does when they respond to that type of situation. Because I... And I I don't mind. I, I almost, I kind of want to do the total on the game under, but I do worry that it's just too much in the end. And, you know, Bama's defense might be out there just too long. And you see Georgia pull away late. Um, that's why I feel like I'm hedged a little bit on one of these locks with the under the first half under. But I think this game could be ugly and it could be a second half game. And then it's anybody's ball game. First time Alabama has been a betting underdog since. Anyone got it? Uh, 2015. And it was to Georgia in Athens. They were a six and a half point favorite. They won by four touchdowns, and Mark Richt was out by the end of the year. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and we, we criticized Georgia for that. However, 
Kirby got in there and said, hey, you want to start winning in recruiting? We need to put pedal to the metal. Here's how yeah. this works. And they've locked down that state since for the most part. Also, do you know which offense is leading the country in success rate by three and a half percent over the second place team? I, I it's not Alabama. It's not Alabama. No, no, it's Georgia. Do you know where Alabama ranks? 21st. So having the better quarterback and all those guys really doesn't seem to help them in that area very much. But Danny's having, point does scare me. Having a good offensive line, I don't know. Which which point scares you? The fact that like some of the more I'm not going to say better because Florida's defense wasn't actually good this year, but the more talented defenses Georgia has faced has kind of made this offense look eh, you know. But I'm a believer enough in the defense creating some short fields. I'm a believer in betting against Damian George. Mm-hmm. Stetson Bennett, like everybody's got athletes all over the field. Like like find the duck, right, Danny? You you know the term, yeah. The guy that can't cover. Find the duck works for offensive linemen too, and I think at this point, sometimes you just got to play a kid before he's ready. All right, we will come back to the American Athletic Conference on the uh, on the other side, but before we hit the break, uh, number two, Michigan, number thirteen, Iowa. We are in Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. The Wolverines are favored by eleven over under of forty three and a half. Who's got a lock for the Big Ten title game? I do, but I'm getting it at ten and a half, not eleven. Give me right Michigan. Up. Give me Michigan minus ten and a half. It just, I get the concerns about an emotional letdown off of last week's win. I get the fact that we've seen a lot of times in the Big Ten championship, like last year with Northwestern against Ohio State, where the the Big Ten West team comes in and just kind of muddies things up for a while, and then the other team is finally able to win in the end, but they never really pull away. But the difference to me in that is if you're Northwestern or last year or in Iowa this year, like your style of play is a contrast to Ohio State. It actually gives you something of an edge on them and that they're not matching up the same way. That's not the case in this game. Like Michigan is Iowa, except it has a much better offense, much more talented players and is faster. It's like, you know, it's like Iowa's generic brand Michigan. I, I don't mean that to be as negative connotation as it is, but I just, you know, it's not, it's the same team, just not as good in every single area. Like maybe you can argue they're better in special teams, but other than that, I just don't see how Iowa hangs with Michigan for a full 60 minutes. Maybe they keep it close early, but unless Michigan turns the ball over numerous times, which again is possible, Iowa 28 turnovers forced this year. 27 of them were forced in their 10 wins. Only one forced in their two losses. So I feel like the formula for beating Iowa is pretty obvious and pretty simple. And I think Michigan can pull it off. And I think the Wolverines are going to win big. So I'm laying the 10 and a half. I, I think it is fair to say that if your wife sends you to the store for Michigan and you bring back Iowa, you're going to hear about it. Yes. Ah, yes. <laughs> All right. Thank you. However, if it's one of those items that like – you end up using anyway, and you can kind of get the job done. Nobody will notice. This is the spot I like to bet Iowa. Now, there's not a point, so I'm not going to do it. I just want to bring up the point. Like, I'm I'm anti-betting Iowa when they're favored. Be, like, that's not how they play. It's kind of the Pat Fitzgerald thing, you know, back when Northwestern was okay. Like, I, I'm not like, I, I'm not in a big huge rush to, to lay points here. Is there? Uh, I do have a, a. Well, I had a lock on the game. Is this move too much? Yeah, my my, my my last number was forty was forty four uh, to, to bet. I, I took forty five on Sunday Monday. Um, 
All right, maybe that'll come back alive. In the I'm show. on that under. Like, is, was 44 the best number? Or is it 43? No, no, uh, 43 and a half now. I, like, the last number I really like want to 44 bet out right. there. Oh, really? We're, yeah. we're at points bet. Yeah. Okay. Give me the 44. Same. How many? Well, wrong one. <laughs> also, like that that number matters. I, I know some people are like, why would you bet it at 44, not 43 and a half? Like every half point matters, and there are a lot of outcomes that get you to 44 for push, right? Also, there are. are you know, 45 is a better number because 24, 21 pushes me, you know, it doesn't beat me. If you bet for under 43 and the game finishes 24, 20, you lose. So I see, um, I like the under as my lock here because I think there's multiple paths to get there in general. It is, uh, I see it like Tom does where Michigan knows exactly once what Iowa wants to do because it does it better. And Michigan wins this game. Like, 31 to seven or something like that. However, in the other way that I see this game playing out where Iowa does keep it close, maybe because Michigan makes some mistakes, maybe there is a little bit of an Ohio state hangover. I still don't see Iowa scoring enough points to win the game outright. So whether it's a super low scoring rock fight or Michigan blows them out, the one common thread there is I just don't see Iowa scoring a ton. So um, I like, I like being able to do it to attack the total right there. That is why I'm going to take Iowa's team total under 16 and a half. When your best offensive weapon is your punter and Tory Taylor, who, by the way, remember what he did against Penn state? Like he, he had nine punts felt like he backed him up inside the 10, like half of them or more. Um, quarterback questions like is Petrus the guy I mean you've led him back against Nebraska um I the one thing that worries me about this one is I, I do think it'll be a like I'm tempted to take the first half under but I'm not because I do think there will be a hangover effect of sorts but I think that impacts the offense more like timing rhythm the defense for Michigan I think is going to be ready I don't see any way that Iowa puts up many points is why I'm on that one but there's a part of me that wonders if Michigan just starts feeling it and then you've got whatever Iowa quarterback it is throwing the football you get pick six you could see Hassan Haskins run for a few more touchdowns like I could see this game getting sideways too so but but I also could see it I could see Iowa's you know defense presenting problems in the second half but it just worries me this one could get out of hand I uh I like the Again, as, as we continue to talk about stuff that doesn't matter uh, on, on all the spreadsheets and in the things, but like this game's in Indianapolis, national championship game in Indianapolis. If Michigan does win and look impressive, I want it. I, I would like if Michigan really is going to do this, especially with, you know, the season that they've had, the Jim Harbaugh arc that he's been through in the last, you know, 18 months or whatever. Like I, I want even more to see that national championship opportunity uh, for the Wolverines. It would be a lot of fun. Here's okay. a fun little fact about Iowa's offense that I, at least I think is fun. In Big Ten play this year, Iowa scored as a team 25.2 points per game. Their offense only scored 21.1 points per game, <laughs> which shows you how many points they were scoring on defense and special teams. It's a four-point difference per game between the Iowa's team total and its offense's total. If you were talking about Michigan, like I want the new back to the old version of Jim Harbaugh where he's talking a lot of smack. Like I want to see him in Georgia, him like just give me Jim Harbaugh calling out people left and right. Yeah. There's so much time at the national championship game to, to, to like, trot those head coaches in front of microphones. Right. 
you just have, you've got the press conference when you land, you've got the media day on Saturday, you've got a Sunday morning press conference. I mean, whew, Harbaugh would hold court. Coming up on the other side, we open up the board for championship week. What locks are we going to have for Cincinnati-Houston, for Pitt-Wake, for App State-Louisiana, Utah State-San Diego State? Find out next. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Time to review what we've got so far on the locks doc. Uh, Tom is on Georgia minus six and a half. Western Kentucky minus two and a half. The Alabama team total under 21 and a half. Michigan minus 10 and a half. Chips on Alabama plus six and a half. Western Kentucky minus two and a half. Uh, Oregon, Utah first half under 29 and the under 44 in Michigan, Iowa. Danny has Alabama plus six and a half, UTSA plus three, uh, Western Kentucky UTSA under 72 and a half, the Baylor Oklahoma State under 47, Alabama Georgia first half under 24 and a half, Iowa team total under 16 and a half, Bud on Georgia minus six and a half, the Oregon Utah first half under 29, the Baylor Oklahoma State under 47, and Michigan Iowa under 44. Uh, all right, Danny. Uh, you did, as you recognized, uh, you were the leader last week. A couple games, championship games left on the board that we haven't gotten a chance to touch on. Uh, where do you want to turn our attention? I'll turn the attention to the conference of quarterbacks. Uh, the ACC championship game featuring two great ones, Kenny Pickett versus Sam Hartman. I know Pitt, their defense is pretty good. They do sack the quarterback quite often. But I think this is going to be a shootout. This is a high number. What is 71 and a half? I'm going to take the over. I think this one's going to be the most entertaining game of the weekend. Great quarterback play, loads of offense, great receivers on display, some of the best in the country. I, we've seen Wake and shootouts. We've seen Pitt and shootouts. I think this one just follows the trend of these ACC games, uh, and it's a high-scoring game. I would lean towards Pitt, but it's just like I think it's going to be wacky where it's kind of, you know, who knows, like at the end it could be a little bit fluky. But I think it's going to be high scoring. It's going to be a ton of fun. You know, Danny, you think you're going to catch me in this competition, but it's going to be a lot harder to do that after I beat you in this lock fight. <laughs> fight, fight, fight. Too many daggum points. <laughs> 71 and a half for a conference title game. Both these schools are playing. This isn't where they're used to being. This is a whole new experience for them. They are going to have some tight booty syndrome. They're going to be cautious. They're going to take care of the football. It's going to be a high-scoring game. Don't get me wrong. One of the, the team that wins is going to be in the 30s. 
but they're not getting to the forties and they're not both getting there. So give me the under. I mean, who's, how are you expecting there to be any offense available in bank of America stadium? Have you seen the teams that are playing in bank of America stadium right now? <laughs> no one can score touchdowns there. There, there are allergens in the end zone that are preventing anybody from scoring touchdowns. I, my lean here is Deeks and the points, but that's not with a lot of confidence and not a, not a lock worthy. Um, the Pitt has, for my money, the better quarterback. And Kenny, like to do the Alabama Georgia dance, Danny, Kenny Pickett and Servasier Dennis, the Pitt linebacker, like that's your best defensive player. That's your best offensive player. In, in terms like defensively, uh, I think that Pitt's not great, but it has not been so leaky as Wake Forest. But the, the Deeks are playing with a lot of confidence right now. And I think being in all of those close games all throughout that beginning of the season, you know, we looked at them and we were like, oh man, you know, there's going to be some regression. They're really like a nine and three or 10 and two team. They're just squeaking by. But, you know, college football, college sports in general, there can be some confidence that's built up in runs like that. So I I, I don't want to doubt the Deeks just yet, but I do not feel strong strongly enough to, to drop it as a lock. Uh, maybe there's another opportunity here on this podcast to take <laughs> underdogs if you, you think know, there's a chance that they win. You know what? After hearing Chip's assessment and then perusing his record last weekend on the season, give me the Panthers. Hail to Pitt, <laughs> Kenny Pickett, who Pitt, by the way, 9-3 and three against the spread, 5-0 and oh against the spread this season when favored by seven points or fewer. Kenny Pickett for Heisman. If Bryce Young struggles, because I think Bryce Young is the winner. If he just kind of holds serve, he's steady. But if Georgia's defense embarrasses him, and I don't think that happens, that presents a massive opportunity for Pickett, prime time, high scoring game. Keep an eye on it. Go ahead and give me the Pitt Panthers. Yeah, this works. Pitt. This works to your favor, Danny, because this is my favorite stupid trend that I actually track. Pat Narduzzi. Yeah, Pat Narduzzi in close games, like anywhere if the spread is between minus three and a half and three and a half. So within that touchdown, at Pitt is 14, five, and three against the spread. Why? Look, no, listen, Tom and I've talked about this stat a lot. Why from plus three and a half to minus three and a half? Why is Pat Narduzzi 14, five and three against the spread? I don't know, but it's just, it's this trend that will not stop. <laughs> Sorry, bud, you're muted. Well, he, he used to coach like it was an NFL game. Yeah. This year, though, Narduzzi is, uh, he's kind of holding Aranda. Like they're not doing near as much as like the ridiculous game killing punting or, and not as many field goals from the from the two on fourth and an inch, you know that they're they're doing they're doing better on that. Uh, I mean, Kenny Pickett he credits Mark Whipple, and like Mark Whipple's been around, right? I mean, there's there's a long like track record, and and I I don't know if I've uh, I've heard Mark Whipple as one of the like five top names listed when I ask people who know better than I, like, hey, what offensive coordinator should I be keeping an eye on? You know, who's a real difference maker? But Pickett continually has said like this offense is different thanks to Mark Whipple and the maybe some of those decisions are are in play thanks to uh, the OC as well because that OC change I think happened like two to three years ago Kenny Pickett's had two different coordinators in his nine years with the Panthers all right I'm in on this game at one and a half two two and a half pretty heavily lines three now I think it would have been four or five had the pit flu news not come out I'm gonna be so damn pissed off Saturday night if Pitt has this whole like Boston College Northeastern flu crap going on, and that I'm just gonna be very disappointed. 
because I, I think this number, this opener was bad. Um, Pickett apparently practiced. I, Get him the IV drip. Let's go. That's what I'm. That, that's what I'm saying. Like I, the one thing I will say is like Pitt's defense is pretty solid, but the one thing it does allow a lot is what explosive drives. They don't really let you hold the ball against them all that long. They get the ball out of your hands. They dare you to go deep. Wake Forest can go deep some. Pitt can also go deep. Wake Forest defense is the one thing that's really consistent in this game. It's consistently bad. Like they're they're not a good defense at all. I I'll stick with it. Give me Pitt minus the three. I just the the flu thing. Danny calling in the vitamin B drips for anybody who needs it. <laughs> can I uh, can I ask a question? It's a little off topic. Is the flu bug really COVID? Like, are we not? They're not testing because why in the NFL do we have all these guys missing games for COVID and yet there's no players ever mentions any COVID nineteen list? Is that basically what we're seeing? No, the Ravens ha- had the uh, the non COVID flu thing going they did. on. Yeah, but like I, you, I, I think it's something in North players East. COVID announcement in college football. Maybe it's just maybe they're just all considered <laughs> unless you're Cal. I don't think they're right. testing <laughs> unless you're Cal in Berkeley. Right. Yeah. Um, anyway, I didn't want to distract us. The other thing I, I like in this game, and I, I'll go ahead and lock it up. Give me Pitt over 36 and a half. I, I if, if Kenny Pickett's healthy, they're dropping 40, guys. Yeah. I mean, this Wake defense is 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 bad. I think that when – I've got him 98th. According to the, the protocol and whether or not these schools are following protocol, I do think that if you show any symptoms, you end up getting tested. So if you are – fluey enough to have illness, you know, to be considered an illness, then I imagine that some kind of test is coming on the back of it. But Danny, I've thought about that too. <laughs> yeah. It's like, there's not, there's a lot of professional athletes going on COVID lists and not many in college, just. And, and a lot of like flu bugs running through it. I mean, yeah. pretty much more coaches are talking about this in post-game press conferences. He was like really happy the way we uh, overcame adversity, you know, we had about 10, 12 guys who are missing practice this week because of the flu. And all of us are like, what? <laughs> would have been nice like, to know on Thursday. Yeah. Last year we had to shut down the entire week for it. Yeah. Nuts. The other issue is I believe some of the protocols are if you get it, you don't have to uh, retest again for X number of days. So like, I do know there were some schools that had COVID stuff going on in their fall camp. You know, if I don't know how long the period is on all these, but whether we're talking like a 60 or 90 day window yeah. or like whatever it is. And yeah, interesting. Um, all right. What about the American Athletic Conference championship game? The big moment for Cincinnati and uh, you get to hold it at home. Now, is that going to be a good thing? Because you get to, to ride a home crowd or is that maybe even add even more pressure? Well, more lemon booty possibility. The Bearcats are 10 and a half point favorites against the Houston Cougars. Both teams undefeated in American Athletic Conference play over under at 53. Anyone got a lock? I'll take the Bearcats. Lay the 10 and a half. Houston's had a great season. They've been eking out some games pretty ugly late. I think Cincinnati, once they got past the college game day, almost near disaster versus Tulsa, Seems like they turned a corner last couple weeks. I do think they've been playing better. It's almost like they've breathed the silence. I know there's a ton of pressure on them. I just do feel like this is the game where 
Houston's not as good. I think Desmond Ritter has the edge, and Clayton Toon's a good quarterback, but I think Cincinnati is a better defense. I think they'll be able to control this one. I think they'll win the game, and I think they'll win it pretty easily. I'm looking to see. Uh, That's how I see it, too. I'm not yeah, going to for the most part. I it's just, moved a lot. Oh, sorry. Like Houston's final three games, Temple, Memphis, and UConn, like they're not exactly battle-tested. The times they were, I mean, USF, they almost lost. This SMU is not very good this year. They almost lost. Like they just, they're not as good, I don't think, as their record says they are because the records, the, the opponents haven't exactly been, it's not been a gauntlet for them. Yeah, but I mean, Cincinnati's played pretty much the same schedule. <laughs> yeah, but I think Cincinnati's figured it out as of late, you know? I, yeah, I, I feel like if this was under 10, I'd be a lot more comfortable. Just something about that 10 in the hook right there. I'm just it's it's why I'm not locking it up. And I, I, I lean towards Houston when at this point, but again, not enough to the space where I want to lock it up. Um oh actually I found one. Winbed has it. 53 and a half under. Um a little bit scared here that Houston doesn't run the ball well. But Houston has the best defensive line in this conference by a large margin. They're a lot better up front than Cincinnati is. I don't think the Cincinnati team is as good as last year's team was. And the main area that I think they're worse at this year is that offensive front. So I think Houston will be able to cause them some problems up front and get after Desmond Ritter a little bit. So we were locking that up officially, 53 and a half? Yeah, the under 53 and a half. That's the last number I want, by the way. This opened 55 and a half. That was nice. Mm -hmm. Dropping, dropping, dropping. Okay, so we still have um, – I'll take us to the Sun Belt Championship game. Uh, App State favored by three at Louisiana. Billy Napier is coaching, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Billy Napier coaching his final game for the Raging Cajuns before he uh, goes to uh, take over in Gainesville. So – App favored by three at Louisiana. Louisiana pasted the Mountaineers 41-13 earlier this season, a game that I consider uh, far more of a, um, you know, a, a net, far more of a no-show situation for App State, more than representative of the distance between these two teams. However, the Raging Cajuns have won the last two in this series. They are playing at home. This is a whole bunch of super seniors and Billy Napier, like they, everyone, there's no mystery about what's happening here. They're trying to win this championship. They're trying to do it together. And then everybody's going to go their separate ways. I think that app being favored um, is probably a wrong team favored situation, but I also think that the Mountaineers could win this game. Either way, I think both these teams are going to try to get it decided at the line of scrimmage. And while we have seen Chase Bryce, um, Hennigan, like a few of those uh, those wide receivers, be able to hit explosive plays for App State during the year. I think that this game is is far more tight. I think this game is far more low scoring. Uh, the rematch factor; these two teams know each other so well uh, that I will take the under fifty three in the Sun Belt Championship game. I can get you fifty three and a half. That sounds great. Sorry, guys. Uh, as you know, I'm on baby watch, and uh, Mags was just yelling upstairs. But it turns out the the repairman just left. Not uh, not not an emergency. <laughs> what game are we talking about? <laughs> Chip is taking Chip is taking the under in Louisiana App State. Okay. Uh, like, did App State really no show that game, or did they just get their ass kicked? 
It was a midweek game, and Chase Bryce showed up, and they had a couple turnovers early. Like it was, the game was out of hand very quickly in a way that was going to be difficult to come back from. All right, so it's twenty to three at the end of the first quarter. Yeah, App State finished with two hundred and eleven yards, four turnovers. So yeah, I mean they they definitely, but. I don't know. I feel like that 20 to 3 at the end of the first quarter was kind of just Louisiana beating the crap out of them in the first 15 minutes more than anything. We had one short field touchdown, a couple turnovers, you know. I'll take it with you. I'll lock it up. On the under? Louisiana. Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. I thought you took Louisiana. I'll take the Raging Cajuns. I'm going to take the home dog. This one, like Chase Bryce, maybe there was a feeling when they beat Coastal Carolina, like he solved his turnover bug. Still Chase Price, still has had two other games where he had multiple interceptions. I still think he's a problem. I trust Billy Napier's squad more than I trust. And I this one to me, the one thing about it is like, how can this be the number? Like, is there something we don't know? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's the Billy Napier, you know, impact of him trying to take calls at night, you know, for the Gators and trying to recruit for them. And he's not fully there. But I this is one for me where I think the players rally at home and get it done. I love that. I have uh Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Tom. No, I was just going to say, I love that this is the, the smallest slate since like week zero, but it's going to be Danny's season high in locks. Let's go. <laughs> Keep coming. I'm catching. I'm coming for you. <laughs> I have I have App State like six points better on a neutral. Um, I mean, ULL didn't play well against, against you know, Monroe. They did play well against Liberty, but after Steelman Army did Liberty, that's not Super impressive. You know, they played a Troy, a, a Troy team that was, you know, getting their coach fired. Struggled with Georgia State down the stretch. Struggled with Arkansas State. Um, but on the other hand, if you look at what what App's done, they just beat the crap out of everybody down the stretch. The only thing that scares me here is like they did get to play uh, Troy, I believe, post coach firing for Troy, and they got to play South Alabama the week after. What get, it was the Troy game that Jake Bentley got got cheap shotted, right? And that was the week before App played South Alabama, if my memory serves. So I don't think Bentley played against I guess that. anyway. What I've done is I've I've adjusted my power rating slightly down for App to where I really don't want to bet this unless it gets under three. But if it gets under a field goal, I think I'll bet it because I do think App can push around Louisiana's front. All right. Um any Sorry, I, just, I was looking, I was like, why am I not betting this? And then I saw my note. Breaking news for the locks pod. Adrian Martinez in the transfer. Oh, thank goodness. Actually great. Like for everybody, (laughs) you know, like I think it's good for Adrian Martinez. Go try your hand elsewhere. But I'm, I almost feel like Nebraska fans are celebrating too. Like they appreciate what he did. He's tough as nails. He put his body on the line, but I'd want to see somebody else. They got a taste of that Logan Smothers and they said, get the hell out of here. Adrian Martinez. Does, does Logan Smothers have any brothers? Does anybody get that joke besides me and Danny? The Smothers brothers. Okay. Just yeah. Yeah. I got you. Um, were you listening to Smothers Brothers records on vinyl? Oh, yeah. Every morning. That's how I wake up. Um, all right. So is that what else do we have? I've got two more locks. Mac and uh, Mountain, Mountain West. West. Which you got have- one for each? Yeah. All right. We'll start with the Mac. I am locking up Kent State minus three and a half. It's skip. I, I wish it was still under three, but I, I like it at three and a half. Um, they met. They played earlier this year. 
Kent State won 52 to 47 in a crazy game. Like Northern Illinois is eight and four on the season and six and two in conference play, but it allowed more points than it scored. It's kind of like the bizarro Nebraska in that all its wins were one score and its losses generally came by larger scores. But if you look closer at that Kent State game, Northern Illinois is a team that likes to run the ball. Its entire offense is built on running the ball. They're like an option team with the amount of times that they rush. Kent State held Northern Illinois to 3.4 yards per carry in that game. They kind of suffocated him. What happened was Rocky Lombardi had like the greatest game of his career out of nowhere through for nearly 400 yards and kept Northern Illinois in that shootout. Meanwhile, Kent State had 682 yards of offense in the game, was averaging eight yards per carry on the ground. I think Kent State is more capable of repeating that kind of performance than I am that Northern Illinois is going to throw for 500 yards if Kent State takes its run game away, even though Kent State's defense isn't great. But still, I just think the Golden Flashes are the better team in this one. I think that you're getting some value on the line because of Northern Illinois' record. So give me the Flashes minus three and a half. Hmm? Kent Bud, you got your eyebrows no. raised. Kent State, yeah, been, always look at our tempo adjustments on Kent State. Yeah, but my adjustment for NIU is NIU is not that great. Um, I am probably going to play some something alt here because I do think that Kent State has the potential to really blow their doors off, and Kent State's coach is somebody who I think will be hot on the job market. So uh, the only way to get noticed in a MAC game is by putting up some really crooked number if you can. So uh, Sean Lewis, run it up for me. If possible, uh, I, I think if you look at like the distribution of possible scores, a huge blowout here is where I really want to put a tiny bit of money. It's also easy to get noticed when you're six seven, which Sean this is true. <laughs> at SB Nation, we did the uh, the college coaches fight draft, which was pretty fun, and uh, I I had Sean Lewis as my number one pick, but I had the fourth pick, and I still got him. I was like, mm-hmm. yeah. well, because let me guess, the the first three were Power Five coaches. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And you were the first group of five pick. Because you were going And I'd been in the convention school. and I was like, this guy looks like a pro wrestler. So mm-hmm. yeah. That local guy too. He's from around here. Um, all right. What about all right, so in 1963, the Smothers Brothers released an album called Think Ethnic exclamation point. Do we think that that would still play <laughs> as well? <laughs> I don't know how well they would play in this age, no. <laughs> uh all right, Mountain West uh championship game. Uh I'm taking the under. Just an old reliable San Diego State under. I I think that physically, like Utah State is not an efficient offense. It is very much reliant on explosive plays to keep drives going. And when they get them, Utah State looks great. But I don't think they're going to get them against San Diego State. I think that Aztecs defense is going to be able to smother them. And then on the other side, I think San Diego State could probably get whatever it wants offensively against this Utah State defense. It's just, it's not really in San Diego State's nature to like go score 40 points. They would rather just control the game. They're very much, they're very happy winning 27 to 10. You know what I mean? They don't need to get to 40 if they don't have to. So I think that the total here is just a little bit too high. So give me the under 50. If this thing gets out to seven before game time, I do know that Utah State always fights. So mm-hmm. I will be tempted by that, especially with a smaller slate and San Diego State to cover a large spread uh, is 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 you know a challenge from time to time with the way they handle business. However, Utah State's defense can be very friendly, very hospitable, mm-hmm. and so I'm I'm gonna stay on the sideline for that one. I'm gonna fight it out. Give me Tom. Yeah, 
Fight! 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 We're, we're in four fights now this week. Yeah, I'm gonna catch you. I'm coming for you. You might. San Diego State. How did they do against our guy Jay Kaner at Fresno? They've given up more points to some of the teams with the better quarterbacks. Now Logan Bonner's been up and down all season long. Um. But I think they've struggled more against teams that can throw it. They're one of the better run defenses, as you would expect. They see the run all the time in practice. I think they can score, but I also think Utah State is going to keep slinging it around throughout, even if it's a pick six or something late. Give me the over. And get you 49 and a half. Even better. Is anybody jumping in on the zombie USC Cal <laughs> 11 p.m. kick on FS1? What are we doing? I mean – I am. Take do you the understand? Under. Uh, like, do you understand how busy things have been since November twenty first, and how crazy Sunday is going to be? Sunday's like a fourteen hour work day. You're going to ask us to watch these teams, these sub five hundred Pac twelve teams, until three a.m. What do you take it? What do you take it, buddy? You take it the under? No, I'm. Uh, <clears throat> I'm scrolling something here. All right. Practice update. This is from uh, 88 minutes ago as of last night at 825. So that would have been what, like uh, 645 Eastern, so 345 West Coast time from uscfootball.com. Update. Something is very off at practice. From Chris Trevino, covering practice. There's a weird vibe. Coaches are out. Only some players. Music is playing. But again, no team. Additional update. To save you from the scroll, the start of practice was very off. A little later, told by source there is some, some sort of protest by the players over the Cal game. Details throughout. They don't want to play it. Cal minus four. <laughs> Cal is still going to get up because the guys who go to Cal don't get offered by USC. They will still care. Ask Danny about that when you play one of the ACC teams that you're like, eh, we don't really give a shit about. That ACC team still cares. Cal minus four. Any uh, sort of like not wanting to play or distraction. Yeah. Give me some it. of Lock that. agreement. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Go. <laughs> it's like quit season. Everybody just, just loved it. They smell that blood in the water. Mm. Have you, uh, there's the other narrative that. The USC players are going to play hard because Lincoln Riley's now the coach and he's watching over them. I don't know if I'm buying that. I do know that Lincoln Riley showed up in LA and watched a little bit of practice and was like, oof. Like, I'm sure it was similar to when the Florida, when Mike Norvell took over Florida State and thought he was like, oof, well, I got some work to do. So I don't even know if it matters that much. Like, I don't know if they're salvaging much. So give me Cal as well. Big piece of motivation. This is a team that, like, Cal's players were very outspoken. Remember Chase Garbers was like politicking to have this game played, even yes. though you're like, why would they want to play? They just love the game. Like they want to get the best of the blue blood here. So yeah, give me Cal. Great line from uh, Brett in the chat. He says, nothing like a protest to bring the cover three unity. <laughs> <laughs> Quit watching. Damn three hippies. Three. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, uh, if you guys aren't subscribed to 24-7 sports, like if you're someone who likes sports betting, it is easily going to pay for itself. Now, we get it comped, obviously, because we work here. Mm -hmm. It's going to pay what? for itself over the course of the year, right? I mean, one note could win you one bet or prevent you from putting in one losing bet. So it's not a gambling service. 
we're running a great special right now for, for Cyber Monday through the end of the week. I think it's smart to subscribe. Time to turn our attention to the Moneyline Sprinkles. So, um, let's see. Moneyline Sprinkles right now. We've got Chip currently ahead, uh, 7.88 units. Tom at 6.69 units. Bud at 2.53 units. Danny at 9.69 units. I think we teased this, right? What? Steve Adazio? Uh, remember how we said Adazio's buyout drops? Mm-hmm. And today, he's fired. Mm. Um, Public service announcement, don't allow Urban Meyer to run your coaching search. <laughs> uh, all right, let's let's just sort of go uh, across the board here. Tom, actually, no, I'm, I'm in first place, and I'm in last place. It's the only time I get to take control of this thing. Uh, Moneyline Sprinkles, uh, best price I can get on the Deeks. That would be 130. All right, uh, Baylor. You could look this up yourself for the show, buddy. Uh, Baylor plus 180. And Alabama. Oh, God. Um, Alabama's the best price is plus 198 is the highest I could see. Uh, All right. I can get Chip a 215 at Caesars. On the Todd? Yeah. I mean, that's, Caesars that's- is not updated on the page. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, so yeah, give me Wake Forest, Baylor, and Alabama as my championship money line sprinkles. Uh, yeah, I like that, and that uh, that gets us to that gets us a little bit closer to the uh, Alabama, Georgia, Michigan, Cincinnati, which I think will be our final four on Sunday. So that's what you're basing your picks on. What you want? That's. I mean, it's just what I have to turn into CBS Sports HQ for a segment where. Um, every like, okay. And now this happens. Give me your four. Okay. Now this happens. Give me your four. And now this happens. Give me your four. been running the chipolytics all day, trying to figure out what it's going to look like in all the 19 different scenarios. But thankfully I'm prepared. So at uh, 1 45 PM Eastern time, check it out on the CBS sports app or wherever you get your podcast. Well, I am with you on the wake plus one thirty. I have right. two others that I'm adding. I will be adding Louisiana plus one twenty. An Oregon plus one sixteen. Ah. I am uh, in agreement on the Oregon and Louisiana, and I will throw Baylor in there too. Although I, the Baylor one, I, I need to come. I, my sprinkles have been atrocious. I'm just throwing crap at the wall. Um, we had like again the upset thing. I don't know. I'll, I'll stick with it. I'll leave it out there. I don't love it. It's my least favorite sprinkle. Bud, I just have one. All right, Houston. Oh, wow. I mean, if, if this game plays out like I think, and their defensive line is, is, is able is able to uh, to give Cincinnati all kinds of problems. I, I, mean, I don't see why Houston can't win the game. If if I'm an entertained, crushing, heartbreak in Atlanta, there is as much, if not more, potential for crushing heartbreak in Nippert Stadium too. I mean, it's so we, Chip all season. Put on your HQ scenarios. If that happens, is Notre Dame in? Assuming Georgia yes. wins? That one of the uh, scenarios I have to do is the most realistic path to get Notre Dame in. And it's Georgia beats Alabama decisively and 
Baylor beats Oklahoma State, then and or Houston beats Cincinnati or Iowa beats Michigan. I was firmly against Notre Dame getting in two weeks ago, and now I'm firmly in place of putting them in. Like I want to see them in without Brian Kelly now. And oh, yeah. I, and if they get if they get left out and like Gary Barty uses that as the reason, I will lose my mind. Use any other explanation. Tell me the resume, tell me the eye test, but don't tell me because Brian Kelly's not there is the reason you're gonna ding them in the conversation. Oklahoma well, State's probably the biggest threat. True, truly, like when we actually are trying to like figure out the different ways that it goes, if Oklahoma State in that very first game of the day, if it beats Baylor and you're a 12 and one power five conference champion, then that's, that's one, that's a spot that very well could be Notre Dame. If they lose, here's my question for you. If Notre Dame does make the playoff and Notre Dame wins the national title, who's the national title winning coach is Brian Kelly, the national title winning coach or is Marcus Freeman in his second game ever a national title winning coach who gets the credit. It's Marcus Freeman. Yeah. I say too. I don't even think Brian Kelly gets a ring. That's well, how bitter I'd be as Urban, a player. Urban didn't get the uh, the wins that Ryan Day got. Yeah. Oh, well. Just it's an interesting situation. Oh, it's a very listen, and people are now propping up like Marcus Freeman is now the face of the sport, and like Notre Dame is going to be Notre Dame and USC have just launched into the like Q score stratosphere in the and upgraded in a big way uh, in terms of star power. I think, and uh, it's going to be. Very, very interesting, and I think good for college football overall. Um, all right, you need, I guess we need to review the uh, the full locks sheet for everyone. Let's see. We have four. There we go. Tom is on. Georgia minus six and a half. Cal minus four. Western Kentucky minus two and a half. Alabama team total under 21 and a half. Michigan minus 10 and a half. Wake Pitt under 71 and a half. Kent State minus three and a half. San Diego State, Utah State under 50. Uh, I've got Alabama plus six and a half. Western Kentucky minus two and a half. Oregon, Utah first half under 29. Louisiana App State under 53 and a half. Michigan, Iowa under 44. Danny. Alabama plus six and a half, Cal minus four, UTSA plus three. Also, the under 72 and a half in Western Kentucky, UTSA, the under 47 in Baylor, Oklahoma State, Wake Pitt over 71 and a half, Pitt minus three, San Diego State, Utah State over 49 and a half, the Iowa team total under 16 and a half, Cincinnati minus 10 and a half, Louisiana plus three, Alabama, Georgia, first half under 24 and a half. Bud, Georgia minus six and a half, Cal minus four, Pitt team total over 36 and a half, Oregon, Utah first half under 29, Baylor, Oklahoma State under 47, Michigan, Iowa under 44, Pitt minus three, and Cincinnati, Houston under 53 and a half. Woo! Final thoughts? Any, anything else before we, we scoot out of here? We had like 15 games and we still went 76 minutes. <laughs> That's our problem. Well, what now let's, let's, let's do 45 on who Colorado State should hire. Emergency podcast, Colorado State. I, hey, just maybe, wonder, maybe. I just wonder if we see a different outcome on championship weekend because, it's again, I mentioned earlier, we've seen a lot of chalk with not a lot of shakeup this late. Usually the four teams, one out, and it's been pretty melodramatic, like not much drama. I do wonder if we see drama, like if we do see – a couple upsets and it gets wild because the whole season has been wild. I just wonder if that trend continues. 
What were the last big upsets you guys can remember in the playoff era uh, for these conference championship games when the team actually had a chance to get in? I don't think there's been one. I really don't think there's been a favorite that's been beat that mattered in a conference championship weekend. I'm trying to remember if Michigan State was favored over Iowa, but even if it was, I don't think that would really count. It was kind of coin flippy at best, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, there really haven't been a lot, not in playoff implications that I could think of. Maybe Florida State not losing the ACC championship was an upset to many people in 2015. (laughs) Because we kept waiting for them to lose at some point that year. Yeah, not in the playoff era. It's, it's mo- and well, actually, I believe wouldn't it be uh, Oregon beating Utah? But Utah wasn't in the top four. Utah yeah, Utah had knocked five. itself out with that Arizona State loss. So maybe I guess you could say that counts. Yeah, but mm, I don't think Utah was getting in based on the way the other results went that season. Yeah. Hey, uh, last thing on my number here. Did I get 25 and a half for the first half under? I thought I had 25 and a half. Oh, I, I, yeah, that's a typo, my bad. Okay, cool. Just checking. I'm, I'm coming. Look at Look at He's trying to rig it. He knows yeah. I'm coming for him. <laughs> Stop the steal. You can follow him on Twitter at Danny Mail. You can follow him at Tom Fernelli. You can follow him at Bud Elliott 3. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. See ya. of sports mixed with your pop culture along with humor and celebrity interviews your earbuds are enjoying the rich eisen show dan orlovsky are you still a Jaden daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy i think the three things that make it stand out for me are number one i think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft every quarterback in the nfl is accurate he's got the best on tape number two most transferable stuff to the nfl and then i think the third thing is pocket peace search for the rich eisen show on youtube or wherever you listen